The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com Amen. Thank you so much, Don, for that word. Um, okay. Uh, let's go in our uh, Bibles. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. All right, Colossians chapter 3, we're going to be focusing in on verses 12 to 13. While you're turning there, Jay Evanson in Desert Morning News, he said this, Forgiveness has the power to change the future. He wrote about Victoria Ravolo, who was a 30 or a 44-year-old collection, 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 oh, this is going to be a long day. Collection agency manager and a 19-year-old, Ryan Cushing. Mr. Cushing and his friends one day stole a credit card and then took off on a shopping spree for absolutely no reason at all. And they stole a 20-pound frozen turkey and proceeded to throw it from their speeding vehicle headlong into the windshield of the automobile-driven by Victoria Ravolo. The result, uh, Victoria underwent surgery for six hours as metal plates and other pieces of hardware were fitted together in an effort to rebuild her face. The prosecutor in Ravolo's case stated that for crimes such as this one, victims often feel that there is no punishment harsh enough for what they did to me. In fact, it, they even said, he even said, death doesn't even satisfy them. How did Victoria react to what happened to her? She was primarily concerned with salvaging the life of her 19-year-old assailant. She did not seek revenge in any way. She sought information about the youth and how he was raised, insisting that he be offered a plea deal. He could plead guilty to second-degree assault, be put in county jail for six months, and placed on one year's probation. He could have been sentenced to 25 years in prison, returning to society middle age with no job skills or prospects. According to the editor, Evanson said, this is only half of the story. The rest of it, what happened the day this all played out in court is truly remarkable. The young man walked carefully and tentatively to where the victim was seated in the courtroom with tears and in a whisper, he apologized to her and said, I'm so sorry for what I did to you. He and Victoria embraced, both weeping. She stroked his head, patted him on the back and comforted him and said, it's okay. I just want you to make your life the best that it can be. It was reported that hardened prosecutors, even reporters were choking back tears. The editor concluded, slowly humans seem to be learning to understand the power of forgiveness. As a healing agent, it appears to be stronger than any surgery, counseling, or anger management course. Amazing, this story. Amazing. The power of forgiveness. Huge. It's the power that many writers have said, the power that could actually change the world. 
And we're slowly recognizing it. We're seeing it with you know, instances like this. But the reason why forgiveness is a hard pill to swallow is because for many of us, it costs too much. That's why. It costs too much. And for many of us, we're just not willing to pay the price of forgiveness. A pastor once wrote this. He said, choosing to forgive somebody means that you are agreeing to absorb the cost of the injustice of what they've done. Imagine you stole my car and you wrecked it and you don't have insurance and or the money to pay for it. What are my choices? Well, I could make you pay. I could haul you before a judge and request a court-mandated payment plan. If you were foolish enough to steal my $1.5 million Ferrari, and he said in parentheses, no, I don't actually own a Ferrari. Some of these pastors today, though, probably could. Um, you might never pay it off, and you'd always be in my debt. He said, but I have another choice. I could forgive you. What am I choosing to do if I say I forgive you? I'm choosing to absorb the cost of your wrong. I'll have to pay the price of having the car fixed. You have no debt to pay, not because there was nothing to pay, but because I paid it all in full. See, that's the reality of forgiveness. You have to absorb the cost of the injustice. That's why it's so hard for individuals to forgive today. Because we, we're the ones, if we do it, we're essentially saying that we are going to be responsible for this horrible, evil thing that took place. And that's why people have a hard time with forgiveness today. That's why people have a hard time laying this down. That's why people have a hard time trusting because we don't want to pay the price that's necessary for that wrong. But it's amazing how our Heavenly Father was willing to absorb the cost of the injustice on our part. And He was willing to pay the huge price of His Son for us. See, Christians, we don't have a choice about this, though. When it comes to forgiveness, you do realize as Christians, we don't have a choice. We are commanded to forgive. We have to forgive. Our Heavenly Father forgave us. You are commanded to forgive. So it's as a Christian, it's not like people in the world. People in the world, something happens to them and they got a choice. Huh? Do I want to forgive him or do I want to make him pay for this for the rest of his life? You know, you, you see that, you know, you see it in the movies where the guy is on this revenge spree and he's killing everybody to get to the person that killed his family, all this, this whole revenge thing, all this stuff about revenge. No, no, no. This isn't an option for a Christian. Today, if you were here and saying, Shane, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and I worshiped him and I said, oh my, uh, I, I mean, I'm coming back to the heart of worship and, you know, uh, the, 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 uh, what was that last song that we sang? Uh, his kingdom is for a mighty fortress, right? It is a mighty fortress. I, I can't believe I forgot the last song we just sang. And, and we're singing all this stuff. If you're saying that's you, I am a Christian today, then you no longer have a choice as to whether or not you are going to forgive somebody. You are commanded 
to forgive. Wow, pretty tough one. We don't have a choice about it. We are commanded to pay the cost. We are going to pay the bill. We are going to forgive. Let's take a look. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 13. Colossians 3, 12 to 13. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. I pray that you uh, will transform us to help us to see the truth of the gospel and that we will truly walk in step with it by the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're taking notes, the first thing we're going to look at today is what is it that we are supposed to clothe ourselves with? Number two, we're going to look a little deeper on forgiveness. And finally, we're going to spend a little time on the reason why we have to forgive. We forgive because the Lord forgave us. So our thesis statement today is this. Though sin and the pattern of this world cause us to live life in the despair of unforgiveness, it is the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the scripture that will cause us to see that we have freely received So now we freely give. So point number one, clothe ourselves. The five things that he gives here that characterize Christ. The five things that characterize Christ. First up is compassion, or some of your translations will say uh, tender mercies. Okay? Okay? It's interesting that if you have the King James Version, anybody got the King James Version here today? Oh, we got one, two, oh, we got a couple. King James Version. (laughs) Holding on. They're holding on. Um, The King James Version says, bowels of mercy. And I I really gravitate towards that because it seems as if, uh, you know, when we go back to the original, you look at the Greek, it is talking about a word that actually describes the stomach or entrails. And, and, I, and I was thinking, this is really interesting. Um, compassion, tender-hearted mercy, all of those things, it's an emotion that if you were to pinpoint inside of your body where those feelings actually take place. Right? It's just like sometimes you'll watch things where your heart, you just have compassion for people and it just, like it just, it's moving your stomach. You know, it's like, whoa, it's just something in here is just really driving me. Or it could even have the adverse effects. You know, you ever hear people say like, I, I saw what she did to him. And when I saw what she did, it made me sick to my stomach. That's the, the, the picture of this, the tender-hearted compassion, the mercy that we're supposed to show to other people when you put on the clothes, when we clothe ourselves with Christ, we're clothing ourselves with tender-hearted mercies. It's that feeling that we have deep down inside, right in the stomach, right in the gut. Peter O'Brien says, this term forcefully expressed personality at the deepest level especially in the matter 
of living. We as Christians, especially in this day and age, we have got to keep up with the ministries of mercy that we're starting to see kind of fall off the wagon a little bit, so to speak. Um, William Barclay, he said, it's not too much, says William Barclay, to say that everything that has been done for the aged, the sick, the weak in body and in mind, the animal, the child, the woman, has been done under the inspiration of Christianity. If you look throughout all of history, all of these acts, the, the, the institutions of mercy, all of these types of things, we see it. You see it clearly throughout all of Scripture. It's the Christian that has been displaying the compassion, the mercy, the tender-hearted mercy, the, the compassion that goes deep down inside. We have been the ones throughout history that have been actually doing this. But the thing is, family, we've got to keep doing this. We've got to stay on it. And I know, I know that it's really hard. I know, you know, in the last couple of years, you start to see some of these compassion ministries and all of that stuff when they 501c3 analyze these guys and the audits come out. You start to realize that 80% of the money that you give to them actually goes to the administration and 20% actually goes to the mission. I, I get that. I, I know that that's happening. And you know what the reality is, folks? God is the one that's going to deal with that. He is. But what do we do? We keep showing compassion. We keep going. We keep trying. Now, I'm not saying that you keep giving <laughs> to ministries that do that. You find out that they do it. Yeah, probably stop giving. Okay, because then it's on you. <laughs> God is going to deal with that. But we have to continue. Just because there are certain things that happen, there are certain things that are bad, you know, doesn't mean that it's still not needed. It's still necessary. And there are people in the world that need the tender-hearted compassion of the church today. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm praying, and I hope that you pray with me that this will continue. The next article of clothing, I'm I kind of referring to these as articles of clothing. The next is kindness. This is the quality of being warm-hearted, being considerate, humane, gentle, and sympathetic. The one article of clothing that people seem to leave off when they get behind the wheel of a car. It's almost as if they go up and they go to their car, and they walk in and they go, oh, oops, kindness, let me take that off. I'll put it back on when I get to work. And we get in. <laughs> Kindness, considerate, humane, gentle, sympathetic. This one, family, does not come easy. It doesn't. It just seems in our world today, it just does not come easy. And here's the thing, speaking of if cars, I remember when I was in high school and I'm growing up, and all my friends like started to get their license. You know how you know one of the teenagers just got their license? Anybody know what they do with their keys? Yeah, they, they like to jingle it around. So if you see some young teenager at King, King Supers and they're swinging keys around, they just got their license. Remember that, Ariel? Uh, just kidding. 
<laughs> just got their license, man. Okay, this is the thing that I noticed when I was in high school. You wonder in driver's education, in these classes that you take, if they teach us how to not be kind on the road. It's like every single one of them get behind the wheel of the car. They start driving. Somebody does something. Could have been an accident or just not on purpose. They just did it. They didn't see you. You slam on the brake and just bleep, bleep, bleep. And I'm sitting in the passenger seat riding with this guy going, dude, chill. Every single one of them. It's almost like when it comes to the license, here you go, here's your license. You now have governmental permission to now cuss people out when they mess you up on the road. It's not a license to drive. This is the license to use profanity in your vehicle. Do they teach us this stuff? No, it's just like it's automatic. It just happens. It's so common for there to be road rage within us. Getting mad at others behind the wheel is just natural. It's almost unnatural for us to be nice. It's almost like if somebody was nice in the car and somebody pulls out in front of you and cuts you off, you know, and the response was, oh, you know what? I'm so glad that you did that. I was wrong for doing the right thing. I'm so glad that you did the wrong thing today. You just made my day. I saw the person sitting in the passenger seat would be like, huh? <laughs> We're going to be nice to individuals today? I remember once, I remember once I'm, I'm at the airport, and this was just a... I mean, it was sad, but it was kind of a funny exchange. I'm at the airport, and I'm waiting, and uh, they were watching Jeopardy. So, you know, Jeopardy is on. There's a young guy sitting here, and there's this older lady that's sitting over here. And Jeopardy's going, and the young guy must have been like some kind of genius or something like that. Because the whole time, he's asking, the, he's giving the answer, and then you got to give the question, right? What is this? And the young guy is just like, you know, what is this? What is it? He just kept saying the answer. As soon as he said it, he just kept saying the answers. It was impressive. Just boom, 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 boom. And I was just sitting there going, wow, smart kid. But the lady that was sitting next to him finally just screamed at the top of her lungs, will you shut up? I am trying to play this game. Don't. And just, and just screamed at him. What? And then the kid stands up and goes, I can play too. You don't own that TV, ma'am. It's our TV. It's for everybody. I can play if I want to. She stands up and she says, you don't do that in front of other people. And blah. Just keep it to yourself. And she just, these two people are yelling at each other. This is the, this is the problem with your generation. You don't care about older people. And he points there, this is the problem with your generation. You don't care about anybody. I mean, it was going back and forth. And the whole time I'm just thinking, like, why would you yell at a total stranger like that? Somebody that you don't even know. I mean, you know, your spouse, your kids, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> you shouldn't. But why would you yell at a, a total person? And I'm just like, is that just how we are? Are we just not nice people anymore? I mean, just, just that's just how you do it's what you do, you know? I just, I, I mean, I get it. He probably shouldn't have been playing know-it-all. And the, the lady was probably needing some time to answer her question. You know, she was probably, you know, 
taking notes. I, I don't know what, what was going on. All kinds of stuff. It could have been the case. Kindness. We got to remember as Christians, we got to put that on to be considerate, to be nice. The third is humility. Accessing oneself appropriately. Now, something really interesting here. Um, it, it, it's, it's a, when, you go to the, when you go to the Greek on this, it's really interesting because the Greek word for humility that we use here, the, the Greeks never used this word for themselves. They never did. Because of what this word actually implies, what this word actually means, many of the Greeks were just like, uh, no. I would never use this word for myself. I will never use this word for an, another individual. This Greek word was never used by the Greek for themselves. William Gladstone, he was a, the prime minister of England, he uh, remarked to John Morley, he said, it is a pathetic reflection that while humility is the sovereign grace of Christianity, the Greeks had no symbol in their language to denote it. Every word that was used in relation to this word everywhere. It was always, it always had some element or some characteristic of meanness, feebleness, or contempt. And anytime this word was used, it was always, it had that, it brought contempt, it brought feebleness, it brought weakness, it brought all this stuff. So this is why the Greeks never used it for themselves. But this is the, an interesting thing about what we see here, that it was used in the New Testament to describe a characteristic that needs to be used and needs to be available and needs to be visible in the life of a follower of Christ. So you see how that would have been hard in the Greek community? You know, that you would use that word for yourself? You know, so it's just, it's, it's like the idea of, of loser. Okay, let's take losers, like a competent, you know. You know, people don't normally refer to themselves as losers. Well, there's a really popular song that calls, he calls himself a loser, but... Forget about that song, all right? People don't normally do that. But it's just, you know, essentially, if you are a Christian, you need to be a loser. And our culture would be like, <coughs> Christians, even, in, even Christians would be like, ah, I'm not a loser. I'm a winner. I'm the head, not the tail. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, we're, we're, not gonna go, we're not gonna go in that direction. It's kind of like that. The, the words that we're using here. So the Greeks would look at Christians referring to themselves with humility, bringing upon themselves this idea of meanness, feebleness, and contempt. But the gospel took this word of contempt and made it one of its chief graces. So this is what I mean about Christianity, how things are just so, um, it just, it's like an upside down kind of paradigm. You know, it's like if to get in, you don't need a ticket. <laughs> Matter of fact, you don't want to show up with a ticket to get in to Christianity. You know what I mean? The, the other thing, too, is like everything that society sees as great, God sees as terrible. It's horrible. And we see this. Right? It's just different. It's just different. This is an upside-down paradigm that continues to happen. Upside-down paradigm. The word for contempt made it one of its chief graces. Do you know that the symbol of the cross in the, in the ancient times was not a good symbol? 
Like when Jesus says to, to deny yourself, to take up your cross and follow me, it would be like Jesus saying today, deny yourself, take up your electric chairs and follow me. Yeah, well, what, is, what does the electric chair symbolize? Symbolize that picture. That, I mean, who dies on electric chairs? Criminals. Who died on crosses back then? Criminals. It's just it's, it's outstanding what Christianity does. It's just amazing the, the, the flip that we see, okay? So the weak things, uh, or, or the thing is, uh, uh, the word contempt made it one of its chief graces, and humility was also used to describe Christ humbling himself by becoming obedient unto death. Yeah, this was a characteristic that even our Lord Jesus took on. It is the weak things of this world that's going to shame the strong. We see that clearly in Scripture. Humility. And humility is one of those things that of, of looking at yourself and accessing oneself appropriately helps us to be able to walk appropriately. Over at the gym, uh, one of my uh, instructors was telling me a story about a famous uh, MMA fighter. Guy can fight. I think he was talking about, it was actually even at this, um, what is this? Ah, something in my back. Um, the Walmart, I think I'm turned around again. There's a Walmart on exposition. This way. Okay, this way. Okay, Walmart, on, it actually happened in Walmart in exposition. And there was a little, a little uh, miscommunication in the park. It's always with cars, isn't it? Why is it always with driving? Anyway, so they, they're, he's turning in, and this car, he turns into the parking lot. This car thought that he should have got that parking spot. So the car goes over, parks in the other parking spot. Him, he's one kids, and they're going to go shopping. They're going to pick up something because they're on their way to some kind of picnic or something. He walks out. The guy that's in the other car just walks right up to him and smacks him right in the face, punched him right in the face. This is a professional fighter. This is what I'm saying. You don't know who you're messing with, okay? Just stop. Just don't go hitting people you don't know. You have no idea who these people are. So he says that it caught, it caught him by surprise, but he hit him full force with everything he had, and it just went, and he just dropped to his knee, and he got back up, and he walked right over to him. Here's the thing. He stopped. Now, this guy could have thrashed this dude probably killed him if he wanted to, but he didn't. He's, the, the story goes that he's standing there. He walked up to him. He stopped. He said, honey, you got the stuff? Are we ready? Yep. And they just won. And then he just walked by and walked right into Walmart. I'm sure the guy was stunned. He hit this dude with everything he had and he didn't knock him out. So I'm sure he didn't want nothing to do with this guy anymore. Anyway, so they talked with him about it. And they're just like, did you not think that everybody that saw that, people knew who you were. Do you not think that people would have thought that you were a chicken, that you were a wuss, that you, you, know, you were just you know, going to just walk away from the fight? Why didn't you take care of him? People are going to think that you're scared. People are going to think that you know, you're a loser. And he said, he goes, look, number one, it doesn't matter. If that's what people think, if that's what people are going to, how they're going to see me, it, it doesn't matter. I don't care. He goes, but this is the one thing that I do know. I have a picnic that I need to get to. It was like for his niece or something like that. I have to get there. Do you know what would happen 
if I actually hit him back and knocked him out, I'm going to be sitting over here for hours waiting for the police. Then I could possibly be taken to, to, to over to the police station in handcuffs and then going through this whole thing, trying to figure out all that stuff as possible. He goes, I would have wasted that entire day, days that I do not have with my family. <laughs> it wasn't worth it. And so the reality, you know the thing that made me think about that when, it, when, it, when I heard that story was just kind of like, yeah. A lot of times, humility makes you it could sting a little bit, could make you look bad, but in the end, it was worth so much more to just walk away. So much more. You don't think about these kinds of things, right? It's just reaction. Just respond. You know, nobody talks to me that way. Do you know who I am? You obviously don't know who I am. You know, you could go through that whole thing. Go through that whole ordeal and just to make sure that people didn't think you were a coward, now you're going to spend the next 10 hours at the police station, wasting an entire day and missing the picnic, all the fun that you could have had. We can't just walk away. Can we not just walk away from it? Next up is gentleness. It's a manner that's mild and even-tempered. Mild and even-tempered. Many times gentleness actually is seen as weakness. Just like humility, it's also seen as weakness. But this is far from the truth. It's a characteristic that Christ commends, and it was used to characterize Moses, who was the most meek man on earth. I'm going to tell you something. Moses was not a weakling. (laughs) If you can stand in the presence of the Lord and live (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's superhuman. And finally, the last thing we, we see of the clothing that we need to wear is the ever-elusive patience. Patience defined as the endurance of pain and unhappiness. Man, are we able to endure pain and unhappiness? Are we able to do that anymore in society today? Are we able to keep walking in this when something like this happens? Are we able to endure it, things that are happening? Do you know that one of the things that you see in, in, uh, in courses that they teach, uh, when they teach salespeople, like if you go to college and, and they teach sales, you, you, you learn about sales, how you can be a better salesman, advertising, all of that kind of stuff. One of the big things that you see that's constantly being told is uh, where you're going to be the most successful. So if you, want, if you have a product, okay, if you got a product and you're going to sell it, the best way for you to become successful is to convince individuals that this product is going to take pain away from their lives. If you can sell something that gets rid of pain, <laughs> man, You're rolling. Overnight success, you'll be rich if you can take pain away. Relieve people of pain and your product will sell. We just don't want to deal with pain. We don't want to deal with unhappiness. You give somebody a product that will make them happy or at least give them a product that will make them feel happy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I actually, I actually saw a, a thing on Amazon um, where they had a, you know, you know those mirrors that you have in your room, you put on your clothes, and then you look to make sure that everything matches, everything's tight, your tie's on, all that stuff. You know, you get those mirrors that you put behind your door. Yeah, there was one that was just like a, they call it the, the, the miracle slimming mirror. So you hang this mirror on your wall, and they guarantee that it'll take 20, 30 pounds off. I, I kid you not. Guys, I think, I kid you not, I thought about it. I didn't think about it long, but I thought about it. I was like, just to see. I just want to see what 20, 30 pounds, you know, all this, just to see. Get rid of pain. Give somebody the illusion of happiness, the illusion of satisfaction, illusion, a taste of it, and you'll sell. We can't endure it anymore. There's none of that. There's no enduring, no long-suffering. There's none of that in our culture anymore. We, we, don't, even, we don't even want to cook anymore, you know? It's just, now it's just, I'm, I'm like looking at all these delivery companies. You know, there's people that you just get on the phone, you call, they deliver the food. So it's not like, you know, hey, honey, I don't feel like cooking tonight. Let's go get takeout or let's go out. Oh, you don't have to do that no more. Just get on your phone, just say, hey, can you bring it by? And they bring it by warm, already done, ready to go, and all that stuff. The next thing you know, you're going to call people up, and they're going to take your trash for you. They may already have that. We don't even have the patience to cook anymore. What's going on with patience today? Do you realize as Christians that we are commanded to be patient? To be long-suffering in the face of insult or injury. Uh, Thomas Kempis, he writes, he is not truly patient who will suffer only as much as he pleases or from whom he pleases. A truly patient man gives no heed from whom he suffers, whether from his superior, from his equal, or from someone below him. Patience. Displaying patience. So we have heaven's wardrobe, heaven's collection, from the hand of the ultimate fashion designer. So it's also important to note that so many commentators, and the way that commentators have written before, that all of these garments that I just talked about today, all of them, they were all worn by Christ. So this isn't something that Paul and Timothy is telling us to do that our own Lord, Savior, and King, He wore these clothes. He did it all. He wore it. He lived it. So therefore, when we put on these five articles of clothing, we are seeing what it means to be like Christ. We are wearing the same clothes. So point number two. All of these characteristics we are to put on as Christians, are to be displayed in the realm of community. Now think about that. Kindness, tender-hearted compassion, humility, uh, gentleness, patience. <laughs> you see a pattern here? It's real easy to think about these things when you're by yourself, when you're all alone. 
So what I think that's really interesting is when, when he gives us these graces and they talk about these things that we're supposed to apply to our lives, the clothes that we're supposed to put on, this is what it means for us to put on Christ, to have these characteristics upon us, that all of these characteristics are to be displayed and to be worked out in the realm of community. We're supposed to be around people. I know some of you. I know this is a bubble that just popped with some of you. Wait, what do you mean? You mean I can't just stay away from people for the rest of my life? No, you can't. (laughs) Unfortunately, you've got to hang around people like me. Always saying stuff that probably shouldn't be saying. You know, I remember once, I tell you guys a story about once, like when I was a young pastor, how there was a couple of times where I got thrown out of the meeting, the elders meeting, because Shane doesn't know how to keep his mouth shut. Anyway, anyway, but yeah, I was always, always bringing stuff up in the meetings that they didn't like, but you know, stuff like, you know, using them, you know, if we actually have money to to use to build facilities, that we actually use the money to build facilities, you know, not buy new clothes for the elders, you know, all that kind of stuff. I figured I should say something, right? But I was always told, hey, Shane, just keep your mouth shut. Okay, okay, just keep my mouth shut. We're supposed to be in community. We're supposed to be in community. And I know community is hard. It's so much easier to think about these garments. It's so much easier if we didn't have to wear these garments around other people. And that's the thing. Man, it's so easy to be compassionate when there's nobody that you have to be compassionate on. It's super easy to be patient when there's nobody in your life that you got to be patient with. I'm a patient person. Well, yeah, you obviously haven't hung out with my cousin. Right? It's so easy for us to do this. It's so much easier to think about compassion, kindness, and humility than to actually have to do it. Easier to think about it. Harder to do it. So much easier today just to cut people out of your lives than to have to deal with them. Now, so now many of you guys know already that we've begun phase two of the, the big plan, you know, for Central Baptist Church. And so I'm spending a lot of time in social media. So, you know, so if you guys are on YouTube, Facebook, you know, all that stuff, go look at my videos. I'm, I'm out there and we're doing videos. And so a lot of times you get the, the com- one of the common themes that seems to be happening a lot uh, when it comes to even uh, ministers or not even ministers, um, they don't refer to themselves. What a, it's a, I can't believe I can't think of it. Life coaches. Life coaches. So, you know, they'll get up there. They'll do their thing. You know, they, you know, they're sitting on their life coach chair with the, the, the college that they went to, you know. See, Alabama, you know. Where's Lori? Lori, okay. Anyway, um, uh, Georgia's looking good this year. So they got... They got their college shirt on, you know, sitting in their life coach chair and all this stuff. And the one thing that is really common right now that I hear, it's all about how to get rid of toxic people in your life. 
Have you guys heard this stuff? Yeah, some of you guys are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. Just all these guys are up there. Well, let's talk about some of these toxic people in your life. That's how they refer to them. Toxic people. You know, these people that just can't be quiet. People that's always got to point out a flaw in your life. You know, there's some people like, you know, if there is something wrong, you know, you woke up in the morning and you got a blemish, you know, right here on your ear or right here on your chin or something like that. Yeah, when you, you just don't want to run into this person because you know that the minute they see you, they're going to point it out. You know, they got cover up for stuff like that, Shane. So we're always talking about toxic people. There's toxic people in your life. And they're always talking about how you got to stay away from toxic people. Just cut them out of your life. Have nothing to do. These people are toxic. You get these people out of your life because these people are going to be they're very hurtful. They're going to be detrimental to your job, to your, to your journey, to your journey for success. Okay? So rid yourself of toxic individuals. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that when I look in Scripture, I don't see that. And and family, God is omniscient. He knows everything. So God knew in 2022 that there was going to be toxic people that would appear out of nowhere in this culture. Because apparently before 2022, there was no such thing as toxic people. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, so, so here's the thing. So you look at the scriptures and we see something completely different. We need to wear these garments in the community and in the world. Why? Because there are going to be people in this world, people in your life that are going to be difficult. And when these difficult people come into, the, into your life, Jesus tells you what you're supposed to do. Do you know what he tells you to do? You be compassionate on that individual. You be gentle. You display humility. Yeah, I know this person is acting like he's better than you. Let him. Just let him. Be kind. And I know this is really hard. I know it's been several weeks. <laughs> be patient with the individual. We've got to be patient with them. Dr. Doug Moo, he writes, the demand acknowledges that every Christian fellowship is made up of all kinds of people and that we will accordingly sometimes find ourselves in close fellowship with people who are very different than we are. See, he's being nice. There's just people in this world that are different. Okay, that, maybe that's the thing we use at Central. We don't say people are difficult anymore. We say people are different. <laughs> that person is just different. For the sake of maintaining community, Dr. Doug Moo says, we will sometimes have to put up with people with whom we would not normally choose to associate. It's always been that way. Family, it's not new. It's always been that way. It's always been that, that way in the church. There's this, this one church that I went to when we were in the youth group. I don't know, Steve, if you remember. It was at the youth group that Steve and I went to. There was labels. We labeled, there were two types of people that we labeled. We labeled one, the antisocials, 
You know, these are the people that, hey, let's go get some Taco Bell after service today. No, 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 no. Just, I'm just going to go home. Well, why not? You know, so just, they never wanted to go out. They never wanted to have fun. So we referred to those as the, the antisocials. And then, so they were always difficult because you're trying to, you know, but they just didn't want to and just, ah, just stay away from me, just stay away from me, you know, all that stuff. So that was difficult. But then you also had the other Okay, we didn't call them the antisocials. We didn't call them the socials. They were referred to as Klingons. <laughs> now, this is what I thought was really strange. The whole youth group, they were using Klingons. They kept referring to people as Klingons. And, and for me, at first, I kept thinking, what does this have to do with Star Trek? <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys thought of that. That was the first thing that went through your mind with Star Trek? Yeah, okay, Al, you're with me, yeah. I thought Star Trek. So then I was just like, guys, let's be nice. Don't talk to them. I know they're not very attractive. You don't have to call them a Klingon, you know? <laughs> Shane, Shane, we're not talking about attractiveness with this. We're not saying Klingon like Star Trek. Klingon. Oh! It's the one that, you know, you got the antisocial. It's like, come on, come on, let's go out. Yeah, these are the ones like, no, come on, just get away. We have both. And there's, there's going to be that dynamic. There's going to be those types of things, you know. You know, they, they would, uh, this, this youth group, I, I think, was just pretty mean. They were always labeling people like, that person's a wet mop. You know, well, why are you calling him a wet mop? Because everything, he's just always bad. Everything's negative. It's just blah, blah, blah. This is, never says anything good. Never says anything good about people. This is blah, 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 blah. You know? And then the, the, the Johnny Cash song, right? Oh, so earthly good. Or so heavenly minded, no earthly good. You got those people over there too. It's just like, oh, this, 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 and this. And, you know, it's just, everything is just, you know, heaven, heaven, all. So you, you got all the different labels. You got all the different types of personalities. You got all that stuff in the melting pot of the church. Because the church is a door that's open to every tribe, tongue, and nation. Doesn't matter. And the Apostle Paul and Timothy knew <laughs> that there was going to be some difficulties. Knew that there was going to be some problems. Knew that there was going to be this. That there was going to be people that were going to be difficult. And so here it says in the word that we are supposed to bear with one another. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to bear with one another. So you got the... I get it. I get it. There are going to be those in your life just is there constantly. Blah, blah, blah. That's why God blessed us with cell phones. Right? No, I'm just kidding. There's going to be that, family. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be, you know, the, those types of things. But not only that, family, we bear with one another, but there's always going to be times where people are going to do things that are going to offend you, that are going to humiliate you, that they're going to say the, the most horrible, horrible things about you, all kinds of stuff. It's going to destroy your reputation. It's going to destroy, it's going to make yourself look bad, all this stuff. We're also commanded to do one more thing. Not only are we supposed to bear with one another, we're also supposed to forgive. We're also supposed to forgive each other. And that's a hard one, isn't it? There's the cost. There's, there's the cost. 
and it, it, you know, it was, it was, um, um, it was, it was really, there was a, a, an incident that was really hard when, um, when I was with the, the band and we were traveling and we did a lot of traveling, we played a lot of shows. I remember the, the band that we were touring with, we, I got a phone call from the, you know, the, essentially the leader of that band and he was really mad. He was really mad at me. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't understand. What are, what are you mad at? Why are you upset? He goes, I have a friend of mine who never lies. He, he, he always tells the truth. And Shane, he told me that you had an illicit encounter with one of his youth girls in, the, in his church. I was like, What? He goes, yeah, you, and, and he doesn't lie about this, so don't bother lying, Shane. I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean, don't bother lying? Don't deny it. He never lies about stuff like this. And he was really mad at me. And he just started telling me, and he's like, how could you do such a thing? How could you do this? And now she's saying that she's pregnant, and you're the father, and all this stuff. And I'm listening to this on the phone. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? Then my, the management company for, for the band, the, 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 our manager was going to cut us off. Like, you know, I can't manage your band because, you know, we can't, we can't stand behind Christian bands that do these kinds of things. I'm like, I didn't do anything. Yeah, but this guy tells the truth all the time. I, I, I know, but I've never lied to you either. <laughs> what about me? You know, what about my, oh, well, you know, we don't know you very well, blah, 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 blah so all this stuff. Then it gets to the, the booking agent. The person that does our bookings, all that stuff. Yeah, I can't represent a band that does these kinds of things. This thing is spreading. Like, I'm getting phone calls from editors from Christian magazines that's wanting to get my side of the story and talk about. I'm like, guys, I have no idea what in the world is going on. And all this bad and all this stuff. So, this stuff spread and it just got really bad. So, then here's the deal. So, then about a month later goes by. The, the band, the leader from that band calls me up and says, oh, hey, Shane, I, I just, I have to apologize to you. He goes, you know, we, we went and we told the manager, we told your manager, we told your, we went and did all this stuff. And he goes, yeah, we realized that this guy probably isn't, you know, telling the truth because he's, te- he's spreading rumors about me now that I'm, a, I'm addicted to LSD and I'm a raging alcoholic. So we, uh, he is obviously jealous of the bands and he's trying to make everybody look bad and all this stuff. And I was like, do you guys realize what you've done? You realize what you did to us from this? Like, I don't even know who you're talking about. I have no idea what's going on. I don't even remember (laughs) even being at that youth group, (laughs) to be honest. Uh, Just like, do you know what you've done? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I know. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to let you know that everything was good. So I'll see you later. Click. <sighs> Family, you know how hard it was to forgive after everything that happened, what they did to reputation. Because, you know, for a lot of times when it comes to Christianity, reputation is kind of a big thing, isn't it, for us? It's like a big thing. Like, it's really hard when people call you a liar when you haven't. It's really hard when it comes to reputation type stuff. So finally, after some painstaking work on our part and all this stuff and having to, you know, click in all this stuff, you know, the bottom line is, is that in the end, the, the justice of my cause shined like the noonday sun 
just like God promised that he would do for us. But I forgave. Had to. I didn't have a choice, you know? And it was just like, you know, I don't know what to do. I can't fix any of this kind of stuff, but all I can do right now is I can't hold this against it. Because, yeah, there's a part of me that wanted to go public now and to go to the magazines and go to the radio stations. And let me tell you about what this guy in this band did to me. I could have totally did that. I was being urged by people to do that. He destroyed your reputation. Now you go destroy his. I could have, couldn't I? We're called to forgive. And, and I remember when I'm praying and I said to the Lord, you know what, God, I am going to, uh, you told me to forgive. You've forgiven me. I need to forgive him. And I, I'll, I just, it was so funny. It's just like I'm, I'm reading through scriptures and I just happened to be in my devotion times to be in Matthew. And guess what the next chapter was? Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times. We know this, right? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed me him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have the same mercy on your fellow servant just just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Huge. And then it hit me that day. It's like, you know what? What would be payment? What would be payment? You know, because I'm sitting in there and thinking right after that, what would this guy need to do for me to be payment for what the injustice that was done to me? What would he need to do? Right? In the, in the end, who knows? But at least a willingness... Right? He was like, I, I, you know, at least I would want to hear, I'm willing to do whatever you need me to do to clear, help you clear your name. Yeah, that, that would have been one thing that he could have done. So I'm thinking, okay, yeah, maybe the willingness to help. Maybe actually do make some phone calls, maybe call the magazine, you know, call the editor, call the radio station, all that stuff. Call them, let them know, hey, you know what, it was a misunderstanding. Shane didn't do anything. It was... It's all good. It was a, it was a bad, bad move on my part, you know, so he could have did that. 
you know, part of me says, yeah, well, you know, you could have also, you know, paid for the work that I had to do that was extra. So let's just say he could have paid for all the extra work that I had to do for all of this kind of stuff. Let's just say that I made $100 an hour. You know, it would add up to this. So maybe it was, <laughs> I don't know, 500 bucks that he needs to give me, something. So an apology, which I got, the willingness to want to make it right, maybe making a couple of phone calls, maybe a $500. That's the cost. That's, if I forgave him, that's what I would have had to have eaten. After I read that parable, I'm thinking about this stuff as to what it was. I'm thinking, this is what he would need to do for there to be, to pay the cost of what he's done. Do you know what God needed to do to pay the cost of what I've done? He had to send his one and only son to die for me. Family, there's nothing. <laughs> I mean, sure, there's, there's things that people have done that's way worse than what that guy did to me. So there's always that. It's always there. But in the end, in light of all of it, man, it just doesn't compare. You know, we look and we see this injustice that's done to us, and then we want to stand there like Lamech. Yeah, let me tell you something. A man wronged me. He cut me. He hurt me, and I killed him. I got revenge. The, the, the cost on Cain's life was seven times. My life is going to be 77 times. Standing there like Lamech. When God could have easily have brought a, a grievance against us. Easily have done it. All we had to do was be, be born. It's called the sin nature. The things that we've done. That's our initial reaction. But Paul... And Timothy gives us this important piece here. An important piece. We forgive because our Lord forgave us. Now forgiveness is important. Now I know, now I know in the church, and I got I to gotta do this really quick. I know, I know we're running a little bit behind, but I got to just say this really quick. Because a lot of times when I talk about forgiveness, I know a lot of us are less like, yeah, I know, Shane, we're supposed to forgive, but you don't understand what this individual is like. I get it. I understand that there are issues with individuals that we forgive, okay? And I do know that there's a predatory, I call it a predatory kind of nature for some people, especially dealing with narcissism and all that type of stuff, that there is that where the response is, okay, you know what? Yes, uh, you know what, uh, Linda? I apologize for what I have done. Now you need to forgive me because God commands you to. You get that? This happens all the time. And you gotta forgive me. I apologized. I said, I'm sorry. I apologize. Now you got to forgive me. Everything's wiped clean. Everything, this blank slate, all this stuff, you have to forgive me. Okay, this happens a lot. This is what I, I want to make sure that you understand. This is very important. Help other people. 
This will help other people if you counsel other people that are in this situation. I'm in a counseling session. I'm talking to a wife. Husband abused her, all this stuff. And now the husband is apologizing. And I thought that was really curious because he says, okay, fine, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did to you. I'm sorry for everything that that has happened, all this. He said, but you need to forgive me. And God commands you to forgive me. So you better forgive me. And I'm just, okay, that's the clue. Normally for me, that's the clue. That's the button. That's all I need to hear. And I already know what situation is going on here. So then I said to the wife, yes, he is absolutely 100% correct. You absolutely need to forgive him for what he has done. Absolutely. You need to forgive him because the Lord forgives us. But that does not mean you have to trust him. (laughs) Do you guys hear that? There is a difference between forgiveness and trust. Let's go back to the situation with the guy driving the car. Guy took the car, wrecked it, right? He's going to absorb it. I forgive you for wrecking my Ferrari. I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to do all of these types of things. I'm going to forgive it. You know, I'm not going to wish any ill will on you. I pray God's blessing be upon you. I pray that the good things will happen to you. Well, you think I can take your car for a spin? No. Just because I forgave you does not mean that I trust you. Family, this is a very important piece that we've got to get. So for those of us that have been in this, the other side, when you are the victim, there is that piece that you've got to understand. David obviously forgave Saul, didn't he? Saul did some horrible things to David, but David was always, always quick to forgive Saul. And then Saul says, David, you are a better man than me. Let's call this over. This is all done. This is all over. Just Let's just go home. Let's just go home. Let's go home and let's just let bygones be bygones. Question, did David go home with him? No. There's a difference between forgiveness and trust. So I get the fact that you may not trust the individual, but you can't be praying for God to send that individual to spend the rest of their lives in eternity burning in everlasting pain in hell. We don't pray for horrible things to be happening to these individuals. We don't urge for, for stuff. We don't plan revenge. We don't plan all of these types of things. We don't plan ways to get back at them. You know, husband is, is verbally abusive to the wife and all this stuff. You don't plan on having, you know, a big anvil hanging from the ceiling so when your husband walks in the door, it falls down and cracks him on the head and kills him. We do not plan these things. We don't scheme these things. We don't take revenge, all, the, all that stuff. Okay? Trust, yes. You got, you got that now. But unforgiveness, no. Unforgiveness will destroy you. Unforgiveness will eat you alive. It's like cancer in the bones, family. Gotta let it go. And the best way, for me, the best way has always been, Shane, you need to forgive this individual. Yes, they wronged you. And you can forgive them because of everything that your heavenly Father has forgiven you for. And yes, there's so much. Oh, there's so much. 
Oh, but but Shane, I, you know, I may have I may have stolen a couple of things. You know, I mean, I told a, 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 a bunch of lies, all this kind of stuff when I was younger and all that stuff. But I, seriously, I didn't do anything really that wrong. I'm not like those murderers, those rapists, those robbers that are out there. I'm not like them. What does the Bible say? That for those who have broken even the smallest of commands, you are as guilty as someone who's broken all of it. Yeah. Even one of those sins, one small little white lie that you told, the only way that could be paid back was by the death of his son. That's no small thing, family. That's no small thing. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. If you do something to me that was so bad that it would require the death of my son, (laughs) oh man, that's different. You know, and just speaking as a father in the flesh, that's different. That's going to be hard. I can't even imagine what it was like to make that sacrifice. But he was willing to do it because of the love that he had for us and because he forgave us. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And it's huge. We've fallen short, fallen short of the glory of God. But God gave us life and life more abundant. Not only that, but he's forgiven us of our sins. He has taken us. He's clothed us with a robe. He took our hand and he put a ring on our finger and said, this is my son, my daughter. This is a co-heir with Christ. He took us as somebody who offended him and turned us into kings and queens of the kingdom of heaven. Now you tell me that our God is not good. What a mighty and loving God we serve. Amen. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Jesus came to this world to seek and save that which was lost. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And because of this work, the promises continue that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation is here. God's grace is here. And did you know that where sin abounds, their grace abounds even more. Grace will always win. It will always cover. It will always be there. He has forgiven us. Freely we have received. Now you freely give. Remembering that we freely received. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.